Welcome back to the Bet On Yourself podcast. This is towards the end of season two. It's been really fun to kind of go through these frequently asked questions with you, things I've been talking to my consulting clients about as we are all creating some new plans, creating our new normals, and really trying to just be our best selves in this crazy environment. I think summer's in the air and we're all looking for a fresh start. And I think this episode is going to be a nice little pick me up for us all because this episode we're focusing on compassionate leadership. This is about not only being a compassionate leader, like on a team, or if you're the founder of a company or a CEO, but this is also about compassion towards ourselves. And if we can be compassionate towards ourselves, then we can extend that to our teams, to our families, our communities, etc. So it's equally important in our personal life as it is in our professional life. And I've really been inspired in putting this together for some things I want to do on both sides. So as a framework for this episode, I was really inspired by an interview I heard with Amy Jen Su. She's the author of the book called The Leader You Want to Be, Five Essential Principles for Bringing Out Your Best Self. And in this book, she outlines five uh, key leadership principles that I think are really important that we're going to dive into in detail. But she outlines this by simplifying it down into imagining two options of leadership. One she describes as leader A and the other is leader B. So in the moments when we are leader A, we are being our best selves. We see challenges as opportunities, whereas if we're leader B, we are less efficient, we are resistant to the moment and to change, we feel stressed, we feel overwhelmed, and uh, honestly, we're at risk of burnout. Our health probably isn't in the best place, we maybe feel stalled out in our career growth, and our worst days maybe make some worse days for those around us. So obviously we wanna see if we can shift the balance into being leader A more often than we are B. We all have our leader B moments. Let's just be okay with that. But hopefully we can do some proactive things that will shift the balance in our favor of the type of person that we really want to be for ourselves and for everyone around us. So going back to Amy's book, she outlines five key leadership elements to becoming more like leader A more often. Those five are the five Ps. Purpose, process, people, presence, and peace. I love that she included peace. We'll get to that one. So we're going to take each of these in order. And I've got a couple of CEOs in mind I want to use as case study examples to illustrate these five different leadership principles. I've been really inspired over the last year of crazy pivots of some three CEOs in particular that have done some interesting things that I didn't expect that really show that they are compassionate leaders. The first is Brian Chesky of Airbnb, second, John Mackey of Whole Foods, And third is Niran Andhari. He's the CEO of Panera Bread. Sorry to my European listeners. These are very American companies. Um, Airbnb, hopefully you're familiar with. Whole Foods is a, how do I describe Whole Foods? It's kind of like a luxury, whole planet-minded health food grocery chain that was purchased by Amazon recently. And then Panera Bread is like a, healthy fast food place that was really popular among um for business meetings that's a great place to go for for lunch when you're working and out and not able to go back home like we do here in spain (laughs) it's amazing cultural shift for me to uh, see so many people going home for lunch which i love anyway i digress so let's get back to the first principle which is purpose so amy jensu defines this as how we reset our compass towards our passions. I love that definition. 
And then John Mackey, who I mentioned before, the CEO of Whole Foods, he actually has a book called out titled Conscious Leadership, and he also listed purpose as the very first principle to focus on. So I was listening to an interview with him talking about his book, and he ended the interview with a really interesting anecdote that I'd like to read for you because I think it's a fun dialogue to have in your head. He said, go to a cocktail party and randomly ask people what the purpose of their business is. They look at you quizzically and they say, what do you mean? What's the purpose of business? Everybody knows the purpose of business is to make money. And he actually thinks, John Mackey says, that's a very strange answer if you think about it. Because if you ask what the purpose of a doctor is, yes, doctors make a lot of money, but that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to help people, teachers educate, architects design things, engineers construct things. Every one of the professions refers back to the same type of value creation, what they're doing in the world. So for example, he says in his work in Whole Foods, his, purpose, his higher purpose there is to nourish people and the planet. I really like that purpose statement. And I know we've been talking about that a lot, especially here in season two of this podcast. Another great example of a compassionate leader is Brian Chesky of Airbnb. And he definitely had to do some major pivots during the COVID crisis. Now, he had some instincts to go back to because Airbnb was actually born out of the 2008 crisis when he and his roommate didn't think they would be able to make their rent or mortgage payment. So they created this business where they could use that resource of theirs to generate some revenue. So he knew, having been through it before, that he wanted to focus on three things, which he says is one, he had to be decisive as a leader. And he had to constantly communicate those decisions he was making to his team and to his users. Second, he wanted to consider all the stakeholders and their needs in the decisions he was making. So thinking beyond just the needs of his bottom line, but really how it was going to have this ripple effect out and beyond. And third, he, rem he wanted to be remembered for how he handled it. Not just he, he said we, he didn't say I. He was thinking about, he wanted Airbnb to be remembered for how they handled it, regardless of what the outcome was. He wanted to make what he described principal decisions over business decisions. And I really like that. We're gonna come back to that principle. So his company is rooted in travel and bringing people together, which equals a disaster in a pandemic when it's not safe to be with each other. And um, he didn't really have the answers, but he didn't want to hide that from his employees or for the people who use his website. He was really committed to showing up every week and telling them exactly what he did and maybe most importantly, what he didn't yet know about how they were going to come out the other side of this journey. And it, listening to um, some interviews with him over the last year and a half, I really think of that Maya Angelou quote, which I'm probably going to get wrong, but it's to the effect of, People forget what you say and they forget what you do, but they never forget how you made them feel. And I really like a leader that keeps that in mind with how they go about their work and making decisions. And Brian said that how you see a crisis determines your fate. If you see it as the worst thing that's ever happened to you, it probably is. Or a crisis can be an opportunity to pivot and learn and diversify. Now, if we're listening to this a few years in the future, and hopefully COVID is a distant memory, I think this will still apply because pandemics aren't the only type of crisis that we'll face in our careers and our lives. So I think it's very handy to have this um, in our back pockets of how we want to approach it and how we want to be remembered in those times of crisis. 
Now, a few things that Brian and the leadership team did at Airbnb, I think are great illustrations of how to think just beyond themselves and to consider the effects on all their shareholders. For example, he started out this process by doing more than 100 of what he called listening sessions. So he did listening sessions with his hosts and heard their concerns, heard their needs, what they were hearing, what they were being requested. And that really informed some very interesting uh, business pivots that he made. So for example, they had just launched experiences as part of the Airbnb offering. There were like three hour excursions into a city you might be visiting, for example. And in these uh, listening sessions, he heard that people still wanted these experiences, even if it had to be remote. So they launched one hour experience sessions online, which quickly became the fastest growing product they have ever launched to date. For example, Cirque du Soleil performers were all out of work. And so some of them got together to do performances online for an hour or Olympic athletes who had been training for the uh, Olympics in Japan started doing uh, workout sessions or goal setting sessions online as these remote experiences. They actually built and launched this offering in a period of 14 days, which having done many like launches at during across my time at Amazon and Google, that is flabbergasting. <laughs> it's really, really remarkable. And I think it's because they knew exactly what they wanted to deliver and they didn't hesitate. They figured they could pivot and find the exact right fit as they go. Next is um, in this, these listening sessions, he heard his, um, the homeowners, the hosts, uh, say that they had suddenly got a lot of requests for month-long stays, which had not been something that people really requested before. So because they heard that early and went to their hosts, they shifted to that offering nearly immediately. And very, very quickly, nearly half of all of their bookings became reservations for a month or more. I think that's because all of us realize that if we're going to work from anywhere, we might as well be at a beautiful place or maybe your home in the beginning of the pandemic wasn't the best place, best environment for working. So people sought that out in month long Airbnbs. Very clever. Uh, so this is how he optimized for the shifting needs of his users. He optimized for stays nearby rather than advertising to you of something on the other side of the world. He helped you discover something in your own community. And he also went so far as to set up super host relief funds of people who normally relied on Airbnb to pay their mortgages or their rent. Uh, he wanted to help them in a time when that was um, maybe a, a real pain point for them. So he came back to, how do you identify your purpose? And he said he has an equation for that. Because you might be asking yourself, what is my purpose? What is my core value here? And he says, he thinks about it in this way. It's your contribution plus your passion. Or in other words, what matters most to you and has the highest impact value add? So ask yourself, where do you derive your energy from? What pulls you? What gets you excited when you get to work on that today? And likely your purpose and your passion lie in that space. Okay. So the second leadership principle um, that Amy brought out in her book was process. This is about our operating systems of how do we get the right things done? And I don't know if this is the right place to do it because a lot of these categories kind of bleed over into the other, but I thought I would pull out um, a personal example from John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, in a particularly life-altering part of his career. 
So he describes it as life altering because it really became what he described as a spiritual experience. It started off in the early 2000s when the whole world was shifting online and he didn't want to miss it. So they went out and bought a website and they bought some other online presence companies. And he was really heads down focused on how to participate in this dot-com boom. But his ideas for how to convert Whole Foods online was way ahead of its time. And he ended up deciding to shelve it and then come back to kind of their core business. But in the meantime, he had put one of his senior executives in charge of the company. And unfortunately, that executive then staged a coup attempt. He went to the board of directors and really wanted John to be ousted. Now, he was a co-founder of the company. He was the only one who had ever been CEO before. But they were really questioning his ability to pivot into this rapidly changing environment. And so John was about to go into that meeting with the board of directors to see if he was going to be able to keep his job and the company he himself built. And he decided to do what he always did, which was to tour local stores. So he went to the local Whole Foods and he described it as a spiritual experience that he just walked into that store and had his heart open wide. He took that energy into that otherwise very stressful meeting with his board of directors and he described it as a total wake up call. He said, I had this amazingly altered state of consciousness and I got really clear that I needed to change, that I'd been given another chance, but I needed to grow a lot more as a leader. I was trying to run the company primarily with my mind and I realized it needed more than my mind. It needed my heart. And the board of directors saw that shift in him and gave him a chance. And he is still CEO today, even though Amazon has purchased it. He is running it as basically an autonomous unit, at least to date. And John described that quote as, I needed to grow a lot more as a leader. I was trying to run the company primarily with my mind and I realized it needed my heart. I think that bared repeating. So what is conscious leadership? Maybe I should back up and let's actually define this. John defined this in his book as the most simple definition is simply being a leader and being a more conscious leader, meaning just more self-aware, more aware of your own emotions, of your own motivations, more aware of your higher purpose. Most people don't lead very consciously because they don't understand the emotions. They don't understand what drives them or motivates them because they're doers. Now, this part really got me. They haven't done much interior work. They're more about having to-do lists and tasks and getting things moving and moving really fast. They have motivations that of what they're not. They're uh, not self-reflected on. So they don't know exactly or haven't thought about what's driving them to do what they're doing. So they're less conscious, less aware. A conscious leader, on the other hand, is doing things, but they have more awareness of why they're doing them and what they're doing, what they're trying to ultimately accomplish. That definitely hits home. Now, while I think I'm a very purpose-driven entrepreneur, there are definitely moments where my to-do list drives my consciousness more than my purpose. And this is a really good reminder to come back to that space and think about the decisions we're making and how um, that might be an important energy shift. So principle number three is focusing on people. And this is also one that I feel really strongly about because I've worked on some amazing teams. And I think my career satisfaction has derived directly from the people that I have been in proximity to. And Amy suggests, raise your game by raising the game of others. At some point, you'll be capped by your own capacity. So the way you level up is by surrounding yourself with stellar talent in your team. 
That is definitely something I see constantly with my consulting clients. These CEOs realize that they need to hire up people who have expertise that they themselves don't have and not to be intimidated by that, but realize it has this natural up-leveling effect for everyone. Now, going back to that third CEO I mentioned earlier, Naren Chattahadri, I think I'm mispronouncing your last name. Uh, he was the CEO of Panera Bread, and he definitely had a trial by fire. He was had come in as the new CEO of Panera. He was about to shift the um, focus of the business just as the pandemic hit. So for him, he said he really was glad that he had had a compass established earlier in his life as well. And um, unfortunately, that came from great personal tragedy. He had had two daughters, both born with an autoimmune deficiency disorder. One of them died um, very, very young as a baby. And the second one defied all of her predicted life expectancies and lived until she was 17. Uh, her name is Aisha Chaudhari, and she has an amazing TED Talk. Please go listen to it where she talks about the meaning of life, which is happiness. It's really, really beautiful. Um, but because of that experience, I think... Um, that Niren was able to be a naturally compassionate leader because he was very aware of what does and doesn't actually matter in life um, when we think about the end. But he's a very serious executive as well, so he's trying to work his job really well. And so he, as a leader, had decided in early 2000 that the biggest change they were going to make in the company at Panera, or so he thought, was going to be this idea of a coffee subscription plan. However, about a month after that service launched, the COVID crisis struck. And in that first month or so, he watched half of Panera's sales disappear within a week, just gone. So he had joined the company in 2019 after a long career at other big food brands like uh, Yum Brands and Krispy Kreme. And now he was really fighting a fight with no playbook to follow because he was so new at this company. But um, Chadhari said, our mindset was, how can we use this as a catalyst to become better and stronger and establish more trust with all of our important stakeholders? I love that that was his question that he started with in that moment of absolute crisis. And he did something that I was blown away by. So he realized that he needed to furlough most of his employees. And instead of just furloughing them and telling them to fend for themselves, really, he proactively struck deals with the CEOs of CBS and Walmart, who agreed to temporarily hire 35,000 employees of Panera that he had been forced to furlough. And within just a few days, he then set up curbside service at half of his uh, 2,300 locations and started also selling grocery staples like eggs and flour. Like that's, that's a really creative idea. But because these things started to pick up steam and he had just loaned these employees to uh, CVS and Walmart, a year later, once Panera was finally profitable again, he was able to rehire all its workers. And can you imagine the loyalty that you would have from that workforce when he had taken care of them in a moment of crisis when they were most vulnerable? And I'm also happy to say that the coffee service idea that he had, which offers unlimited coffee for $9 a month, if you're interested, now has over half a million subscribers. So that ended up working out all right in the end. But I think um, there's a really interesting point here is when we're thinking about some of the things that the past year has taught us, what would be your response? His response was this. One is resilience. When things appear to be overwhelmingly complicated and difficult, the importance of focusing maniacally on what you can do and not the noise of what's happening around you 
is terribly empowering. I would remind myself, don't worry about how long this will last or what's going to happen. Worry about what you can do at Panera. The second thing that gave me and the team emotional strength was leading with heart. This is what I think is a superpower of his. He said, even if we did tough things, do it with compassion, with empathy and with respect. The third thing is this metaphor of windmills, not bunkers. I love this. Listen to this part. He said, when there's a storm that's raging, step back and say, how can I harness the fury of this storm by building a windmill opportunity? How can we actually step up and use this as an opportunity and not dive into a bunker? God, a windmill of opportunity. I'm going to start using that. Uh, How can we harness the fury of the storm around us by building a windmill of opportunity? I love that. So fourth of our five principles is to is presence. This is about shifting from external to internal world of the leader. Uh, and this is by, more about a mindset of not leading by bad habits. <laughs> okay, so to illustrate what we need by presence, John Mackey says, the internal critic is inherently judgmental and it's, it judges ourselves and finds ourselves as less than perfect. Any of you relate? <laughs> and then it gives us a hard time about it. So you break the hold of the inner critic at any time where you're fully in the moment, because when you're listening, the internal critic can no longer be fully there when you're fully in the moment. So when you're truly and fully in the moment, there is no internal critic. We're not here very long. Life is pretty short when you think about it, but that is kind of the beauty of it to be able to touch and taste and feel and love and have friends and to be able to move and listen to music. It's all those different things about being there. He continues, you're trying to crush. Oh, oh, I love this part. Let me back up a little bit, uh, preface this a bit. He said, you can't possibly, some people ask him if, if this kind of heart exists in a corporation. And he says that some people consider business to be a heartless place. And that uh, I assume that you have to check love at the door. It's something you do with your friends, you do with your family, but it couldn't possibly exist in a corporation because in corporations, they're in hyper, hyper competitive mode. But he says, they're all about war, but you're trying to crush your competitors in this Darwinian metaphor of survival for the fittest, kill or be killed, it's a jungle out there. Or they're portrayed as sort of win-lose games where you're trying to win and somebody else is going to lose. And while competition is part of business, it's not the defining characteristic of it. Value creation for others is a defining characteristic of business. I like that. And that leads us quite naturally into the last principle, which you might have been surprised by as I was, which was peace. A leader, I think I love the idea of a core leadership principle of how do we get bring ourselves to the next level is re-centering ourselves on peace. Amy describes this in her book as loosening our grip on the shoulds of our inner critic to drive our actions. It's really discussed in business books, but I really think this is essential. External markers of success don't mean they feel it on the inside. When you look at the other CEOs in the world who you think are the most successful, maybe the wealthiest, most powerful, that doesn't mean they're the happiest. They can, trust me, (laughs) they can still feel issues like ego and worry and self-doubt. You can't judge it from the outside. This is really the work of the inside and something that we we can't do for someone else and no one else can do for us. So if you're going to work this hard, which I know you all do, which is why you're here listening to a business podcast in your spare time, then we should really enjoy the journey. And that's really my biggest goal. Let's address the whole person, ourselves as a leader, as a family member, as a community member, and as just ourselves. We do want to be more effective 
and we want to be more satisfied and joyful in our work. So ask yourself, what is your purpose? What drives and motivates you? How will you lead with compassion this week? How are you going to be able to harness some fury, some maybe confusion or pivots that are happening around you? And how are you going to build a windmill opportunity rather than diving into a bunker? I can't wait to hear what you do. Please share it with us here in the comments. Share this podcast. Let me know in social media what your windmill is that you've built. And I hope that that this week is the big big bet that you're making on yourself. So go out there and build a windmill opportunity this week.